It's season two of Spema. Got an all-star cast for the fans. So semantics, put in your AirPods or wireless earplugs. We're part of the Friday night plans. In case you forgot, yes, we still go to Wash U. Weren't hired to do this, but let's remove some stress for you. Got some laughs, gags, and basic Monday thoughts. Gonna sit and ask questions with guests and see what they brought. Listen and learn. Forget what you expected to get. We're the professor and this class is in session. Gonna, Gonna get, get high up some knowledge. So excited for the lesson. lesson. Like, I didn't want to be in, like, Amish country in, like, mm -hmm. a small town. Like, I wanted to... I was really trying to go to NYU, like, hard, but they didn't give me no type of money. Mm -hmm. So, I was like, St. Louis is cool, too, just because they gave me money. But, yeah. That's fair. Okay, so, like, what surprised you when you actually got here to St. Louis, the Washington community? Um, what surprised me... I think what surprised me was how quickly I train like I and quickly and easily I transitioned to college just because um like what you were saying before like what brought me here was mainly uh like finances I was able to afford coming here because of Irvin because I'm an Irvin scholar um and I was here for finalist weekend and the whole community of Irvin was just really welcoming and cool and even though it's a historically black uh, scholarship mm -hmm. it's very much like a large mix of people like there's white people there's everyone here like it's real it's real um diverse but the community is just like so loving and so family oriented um that I was like I have to come here um so what surprised me was how easily I was able to transition especially coming here not knowing anyone really mm -hmm. um and literally being like on my own on my own for the first time just because like my parents uh when they were in Ghana they went to boarding school so they were able to like have that like home away experience like early on where I was like in Little Delaware only child for 18 years so yeah that transition was pretty seamless because of Irvin and because I had like that really good um family when I got here and then my living situation because I lived with like two of my really close friends Ashley and Sienna um yeah it was the best living situation so that's awesome it was a nice transition so you said you were the only child so did you never you never shared a room with like anyone never oh never I always had my own room my own bathroom like if I ever shared my bathroom it would be like a guest bathroom mm -hmm. but now I was really in my own room forever so being in a triple was different <laughs> like we were in a triple in Dardic so we were in like a nice corner triple so it was large it was really big but yeah living with people was different but they were just great people like they're two of my like best friends now so was that like Fun. random? You guys got put together, or did you? Guys no, it was because it was because of Irvin. Okay. Um, honestly, it's really funny when we talk about it because um, after Irvin 
week after the finals weekend we were all just like making our roommates and everything then mm -hmm. but then the one girl that I was wanting to roommate with she went to Harvard and I was like oh shit my roommate <laughs> wait am I allowed to cuss am I cool okay yeah, cool cool okay <laughs> I kind of um so yeah I um what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So they, she left, and so I was like, I need a roommate. And so then I remember I asked Ashley, because, like, we really were close uh, finals weekend. And I was like, hey, who are you? Are you living with anyone? Da, da, da. So, like, yeah, I'm kind of living with Tiana. I said, do you think we could, like, make it a triple maybe? And she was like, uh, like, uh, sure, I guess. And so then she was, like, graciously let me live with them. But then our parents went crazy. Like, our moms made a whole group chat together, and they became <laughs> best friends, because, like, our names spell Ace. So their moms were like, their mom group chat was Ace Moms. And they bought, like, they, they decorated our whole room. It was cute. So, yeah, it was a good pairing of people. Have y'all done anything together, like the moms and the three of you guys? Oh, yeah. Like, they, they do more stuff than us, honestly, because, like, they have this group chat and they continue to talk in it. And then every time they come for Parents and Family Weekend, like, all of our family comes. So mm -hmm. it's, like, their reunion time. And they're planning to go to Ghana together, all of them. Oh, wow. I don't think they're going to take us, to be honest, but <laughs> they're going. Yeah. Okay, so could you talk more about Irvin? Like, what it is? How would you get involved? All that mm. stuff? Um, so Irvin's basically um, Washu, one of WashU's uh, scholarships that's offered through the Office of Scholar Programs. And that whole conglomerate is like Irvin, Anika Rodriguez, and then the Danforth Scholars. Um, so Irvin is a historically black scholarship. It was, I don't remember exactly when, but it was started by uh, Dean James McLeod, and it was made in honor of uh, John B. Irvin, um, who was, I think, the first black dean here at WashU. Um, so yeah, it was made in his uh, name, and it was first offered to black students here and then like along the way it was open to everyone because of um, like I don't really know who changed that but along the way like it was not just for black students but it's still very much like a historically black scholarship so like we really take pride in that like especially because it's like John B. Irvin and James McLeod and like paying homage to them and everything. Um, so yeah that's kind of like the history of it a little bit. Um, the person in charge like the director is Dean Robin Hadley um she's the best she's so cool um she's really supportive she has all the hookups for us like resources we need um people she knows everybody so she can always point us in the right direction um yeah and there's about like 20 to like 40 people in each class so there's about like 140 150 of us on campus right now so yeah, and there's just really cool things. Like I met a lot of cool people through Irvin and I have a lot of like connections, especially um, trying to get in touch with people for Rise. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's been Irvin alum that have been like, hey, I'm really interested. Or like, wow, you're you're an Irvin too. Let's talk about this, da 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 da, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, really cool people. So you mentioned Rise. So how exactly did you come up with that idea? Like what was the process behind it? Mm -hmm. So basically, um, rise we're coming up on like a year so like i'm really happy about that um it started because i'm an afas major that was important to say i guess maybe like <laughs> i'm like a junior i'm an afas major with um minors in political science and design from the art school um and i always and like being in what's it called foundations in afas which is one of our like required classes it was basically um 
like a lecture series type of class where we always have like a different professor or something um each class to like talk about whatever um and one of the classes was with Jonathan Jonathan Fenderson mm -hmm. and it was in special collections and that day we were looking through like the archives of like black activism on campus black student groups on campus um black student publications on campus and that's where I first saw like the black collegian which was a newspaper um, run out of the Association of Black Collegiates at the time, um, around like the Brookings sit-in and the protests and everything that was happening at the time. Um, so yeah, once I saw that, I was like, wait, this is pretty cool. It had like basically news of everything that was happening. Um, there was submission sent in of like art and poetry and things that people were writing, um, opinion pieces, um, like job offerings, like there's something about student union, like things are like, it's just things where like everything you need to know that's happening in the black community was in that newspaper and everyone, it was like circulated throughout everyone. So it was something where I was just like, we have nothing like that right now. Like that's crazy. And this was, this only lasted until about like 72, 73. Mm -hmm. So since then there's really been like no large scale student news publication focusing on black students. Um, and at the same time, I was in uh, this class called A History of African American Theater with Ron Himes. And I remember he made the point that, like, not a, none of us students really know all of the black stuff that's happening on campus. Like, there should be a place where we can all go and, like, see this happening today, this happening today, this happening today. Let me go support when I can. And so I was just like, like, something is talking to me. Like, this needs to happen. Like, how are we going to make this happen? And I remember, like, I was telling Ashley... Um, like we were talking about this uh, when we went to New Orleans together, um, that I was at work one day and I was just like really going in like, maybe I can like make this a thing, like make it so the newspaper, a newsletter, uh, a magazine, some sort of publication. And so I did a lot of research going back to special collections and collecting like a lot of pictures of the Black Collegian of this other publication called Black Talks this other publication called The Black Student Guide, which are all things that just have been discontinued in like the 70s to the 80s. So I was just getting a lot of pictures, a lot of content, and like understanding how I can make this happen. Um, and then I was at work one day, I work in the duck, mm -hmm. and I was just, I didn't do any work that day. I was just on my computer, like making mock-ups and stuff, cause like I was just starting to get into like Adobe software. Yeah. But like my first things was made on Canva and like, trying to figure out like well, how to make it look cooler what this would look like and then I like called Ash like oh my god bro I have like the best idea you're gonna lose your shit man like it's gonna be good and then I went home and I like explained this to her and she was like this needs to happen like and anyone and if anyone can like lead this like it should be you um so yeah that started around like November of 2018 um the idea of that and then we had our first official meeting in either November or December I think it was November um, and then our first issue, um, before then, sorry, we were working really hard throughout winter break, trying to like figure out how to actually make this happen. We came back winter break in January and like the photo shoots happened, the stories were written, interviews were done. Um, and then we put out our first one February 1st of last year, of this year, I guess. Um, yeah, for Black History Month. And then it was also in recognition of like the 50th anniversary of the Brookings sit-in, the 50th anniversary of the creation of Association of Black Students, and then the 30th anniversary of um, Black Anthology. So it was just a really good time to have this come out and have all this stuff. And like a lot of alum, we made sure we got in contact with Black Alumni Council, with um, 
different uh, alum who just graduated that I still had their numbers. Um, black faculty, black staff, a lot of the BD staff and village staff were like reading it, circulating it. So we just wanted to get it out to everyone as much as possible. So yeah, and then two issues later, we're here working on the third issue coming in like four or five days. So it's stressful right now. <laughs> but yeah, that's everything kind of with Rise. Um, How'd yeah. you come up with the name? Oh, that was all. Okay, so we've been, th oh my God. It was called Black Student Newsletter for so long. <laughs> like, that's what I put on the Black Chat earlier, like, or last year. Like, who wants to work on this really cool student publication thing? Um, I had no idea what it was going to be called. My dad had the worst names. He, he <laughs> like, my dad's, he's like a, he's a professor, a writer, um, creative guy, but like those names were terrible. <laughs> um, and then one day when we were had our meeting, um, Cece was trying to suggest that we had this story about Moonlit and about how like Moonlit's like such a thing in the black community. And like, if anything's happening, like we all congregate at Moonlit for just a great time before we go out for, um, for finals and everything. And she was like, it would be cool if we named um, that story rise like how about like mm -hmm. we rise above all the things that like beat us down every day and because like the movement of like moonlit's very much like a rising above like we stand on the tables on the chairs and mm -hmm. everything so she was like it'll just be cool to call it rise and we're like yeah yeah that's cool and then like I sat on that for like 10 minutes and I came back and I was just like this is too good to just call it for like a like a story like it should be called rise especially because like rising like r-i-s-e is just about like something like i said in my first letter from the editor is something that's um like kind of important in the black community very much like the idea of rising above stuff like everyone has kind of referenced the idea of rising and ascension and like going above and beyond and rising above all the shit you go through because you're black in America. And then on top of that, adding the ZE is like revolutionize, revitalize, reorganize and having that end to it. So it was like a big thing we did. So I was proud of the name and I was like, we're going to keep that shit for real. Um, yeah. That's so cool. What's like your vision for Rise like in the future? Like even like after you graduate, what's mm -hmm. your hope for the magazine? So like... People always ask, like, why I wanted to keep it, like, independent. Like, we're not funded by SU. We're not an SU group. We're not run through any office or anything through the university. And I wanted to keep that because um, at the time, I personally didn't want RISE to be run through ABS um, as it was then. And I wanted it, I just wanted it to stay pure and stay how I wanted it to, how I envisioned it. So I was like, we're just going to stay independent for right now, um, especially because, like, people like student life or stud life isn't run through anyone like they're completely independent of the university mm -hmm. um so I was like I would like that too um especially because as I thought more and more about it I was envisioning Rise to be like an entire St. Louis black collegiate publication and black collegiate magazine where there's like a WashU chapter and a SLU chapter and like a Harris Stowe mm -hmm. chapter and it's kind of just this big conglomerate of like people sharing their stories and their experiences at PWIs, HBCUs, and just like what it's like to be black and a college student in St. Louis. Um, that's probably like way, way down the line, but that's the main reason why I like to keep it independent and less officially tied to WashU um, organizations and institutions. Um, so that's like my goal for RISE. If I could 
see it go that direction. Um, I'm happy that it's growing at WashU because I think it needs to have a good foundation before we even try to bring other people yeah. into it. Um, but yeah, I'm happy it not being tied to anyone. And also, even though it may be like just me, I think it gives us full, full freedom to make money how we want to make money, mm -hmm. to sell things how we want to sell things, and then to say anything that we want to say even if it's critical, especially if it's critical of the university. And it just kind of be weird to like criticize stuff that we find like problematic with the with WashU or with any like institution within WashU, yeah. but it's also run through WashU, you know? So yeah. yeah, it's a great time. We love Rise. Rise is fun. <laughs> and you're on Rise now. So like, it's great. I'm so happy. Oh, I want to make it grow. I want to make it grow so much and just have more and more people like writing for it, making designs and art for it. Like, I think like on another question, you had like, what's your favorite part about it? I think my favorite part is just seeing how many like creative minded people are at WashU mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people that like you assume all the creatives are just deep in St. Fox, which is just not true. Yeah. Like there's just so many creative talent and just people have shit to say and they have different ways of expressing it and seeing that come together in the magazine is a really cool thing. How many writers do you have for Rise? We have a lot. We have like maybe like about like 10 to 11, 10 to 12 maybe. If you count Cece, who's our writing editor, um, there's a lot of people on that. And then there's about like seven, eight people on design. And then we have about five, six people on like internal operations. Okay. But yeah. So we have all the bases covered, but everyone's doing their part equally, which is good. And that's where I wanted it to be. I like the dynamics of Rise. Like when we went to our first meeting, it was you talking to all of us. Um, I think it's like design writers and everyone. When I think of like editors in chief, it's like they have their little office and everyone's scared to go talk to them in the office, but like it's you. So like it's more like approachable to come up to you to ask questions about things. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted that. Cause, and also when I think about, um, like who I'm trying to give Rise off to in terms of being the next editor-in-chief. I really want someone who like has really good ideas and really can think longer than just the next year, the next two years, like someone who has a really long-term plan and someone who's also very much approachable in the way that I try to be and is someone who is trying, is going to be a leader but not be like the leader that you hate, like a leader that leads like from behind and tries to rise people up instead of being in front of them and just being bossy and annoying, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I'm glad that it feels that way. That's what I try to do. Yeah. yeah. You're succeeding. Thank you. Thank you. What advice would you give yourself freshman year? We were just talking about how rough sophomore year is. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, never take 18 credits, man. Like, you don't need to, if, if all of them are for credit, like, you don't need to do that. Like, you don't need to take more than 16 credits every semester, unless you're, like, falling behind in something. But 16 is, like, a good cap. Like, 15, 16 is a great cap. Don't stress yourself out trying to take, like, 18, 21 credits. Um, that's just, like, the logistic side of it. Um, but I think in terms of like real advice that I wish I could take 
now or which I had then is like understand that the things that you create and the things that you want to say are very much important and that people are going to listen to it and they're not good to always keep it to yourself just because you're scared like Mm -hmm. if I like didn't get over my fear of people like shitting on my ideas like rise would never be a thing and um just like I wouldn't be the person that I am today um and on top of that like really like listen to the stuff that you talk about and you are passionate about things that you love to do like in your free time because I mean like for you like what was that like lip gloss and like making like makeup I don't know what you did when you were younger but like stuff like that you know and it's like when you're younger you were just thinking like oh making these things is just like a hobby or whatever or like sewing and making these cool outfits and things is just like a hobby but no that can be like your career like that can be something you can take seriously which you should take seriously and like when I was little I really was into like all the artistic stuff like whether it was music or like visual art or um like instruments and um or well I said music visual art writing it's all stuff that I was like these are just hobbies but know that stuff that you can definitely take seriously and like you shouldn't really change your life trajectory just to fit a certain like promising job security you know okay that reminds me of this quote i had to pull it up co-star sent me a notification today oh we hate co-star co-star is problematic but Mm -hmm. they told me find pleasure in the things that ground you yes and i think that's basically what oh for sure because that stuff that stuff is so important like when you're going through like a tough time because it's like you're going through a tough time but like you're in law school and you're just like dang i hate this shit but like i'm trying to be a lawyer because of job security whereas you're having a tough time but you're doing something you love and that's like and that's like what you're only focused on. That's your career. And you're just like, man, this is hard and I'm tired, but it's something that I continue to love. And if you're lacking like that passion, like life's just going to get 10 times harder. You know, I think that could be me just being an idealist, but like, I think it's necessary. That's funny. Cause like Sparkle and I talk about that a lot in our room. Like we talk about how the things that we're into aren't traditional. Like, I mean, they, yeah, they're not really traditional, like making clothes making lip gloss like mm-hmm. it's always like oh well you need to go to law school you need to go to med school you gotta have a backup plan, right, yeah, right, a backup plan. Right. Uh-uh. but this is my backup plan. That, and that's exactly what you need like honestly I, I'm taking this career development class just because it's one credit and it's in the U college but like I remember um someone was like describing a career as something that like they're they're trying to describe the difference between like a career and not a career and someone's like something a career is something that fulfills you not necessarily something that makes you money so mm-hmm. I was just like I mean I guess that's true because people can say like oh my job is um like I don't know I'm a lawyer I'm an accountant that's my job but like is it fulfilling to you is it something where you know and like if it is like that's great for you but personally that's not something that's going to be fulfilling to me therefore I don't want it to be my career yeah I was talking to Madison about how, like, you were saying, like, sometimes when your passion starts to get, like, hard, you keep pushing because you love it so much. So a lot of times people think that your passion, you're supposed to feel bubbly about it every single day. Never. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Ooh, there's levels to this shit. Uh Uh-uh, no. There's no way. There's no way. Because, like, I, I don't really know exactly, like, what I'm trying to go into now, but I know that forever I've always been a writer and I've always been someone who is just very... Um, like can express myself the best through written communication instead of verbal. So I've written like papers since forever. I've written like poetry, um, short stories, 
Um, like just a lot of different things. And I just see writing always being something that I come back to, whether it's writing for a business, whether it's writing for like creatively for myself, mm-hmm. I just always feel like I'm always going to come back to writing. Um, and I always, sometimes you hate what you write. I'd be like, damn, I sound like a stupid bitch. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like, this is terrible. Like, I don't like this. Or I don't feel like, I don't feel like having to like be introspective in order to, um, like write what I'm feeling today I don't feel like it just stuff like that like I don't feel like it today and like that's okay because like maybe in another day tomorrow five hours from now like you'll feel better yeah so it's like hills and valleys with that you know oh yeah how would you describe your growth from freshman year to now Oh my God! Oh my! I'm not a. I'm not, first of all, I have no hair, so <laughs> I am a completely different person from when I was a freshman. Just because, like, being a freshman, I was. I don't even know how to describe like the way that I grew so much in high school and then fully retracted back freshman year. Like, I felt like I grew a lot in high school and senior year. Even though I was still a child, I was like got to a point where I was not caring about anyone, anyone's opinions or anything, because I knew that. I was better than all the, not better, but like <laughs> in high school, in my specific high school, I really didn't like the large majority of people because they're very like problematic and white and just ignorant. And I felt like that was repre- like that was pretty representative of the entire state of Delaware, not to give shade to them, but like, I just feel like you only hit a certain level of um, like awareness and a certain level of intelligence outside of just academics before you're just like yeah I'm done for it and I just didn't like that that's everywhere like everyone I met was so small-minded and everything like there's a small number of people where I'm just like you reflect the same ambitions and goals that I have and that's like sad so I was like man I'm above all y'all goodbye so when I came to watch you I was just I don't know like I just retracted back because they were seeing a lot more people that were way more open-minded way more smarter than I was um, way more well-spoken, way more experienced than I was in, like, all these different, like, facets of life, so I was, like, I'm just gonna go back to myself, and, you know, and I feel like freshman year, I was, like, scared to tell people how I really felt, scared to be, like, hold my ground about stuff, I was really scared to, um, I don't know, like, just be on, like, the opposing side of people, but, like, of like black people because there was way more black people here than there was in my school and I was always used to just always being the right one always being the one that people listen to just because like I'm just more aware of things naturally as a black person as a black woman than like oh all my other like white male counterparts in high school whereas like now it's like I'm actually learning stuff from other black people that I need to like think about within myself and one thing is I came into freshman year being like yeah I'm super straight da 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 and that was just such a lie like (laughs) I I think the biggest thing is that like I felt more comfortable in my sexuality and myself um in order to share that with other people so it's been like a process a long hard process but yeah I think that like um Freshman year me was just really scared to like be myself unapologetically, but I'm growing to be more and more comfortable with being myself in all the different ways that I am. What's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. Ooh, you know, yes. I'm a Sagittarius sun, a Libra moon, and a yes, Libra. Taurus rising. So I got, I got a lot. Someone said that I seemed like a very complete, balanced person when I told them my chart, and I said, wow. 
I don't feel like that at all. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> you are honestly one of my favorite juniors. Like, really? Yeah. Wow, thank you. I don't think I'm as little as a junior. I'm just like, girl, I what? I just know you. I don't remember <laughs> when I met you either. I don't remember when I, I think, oh, Black Anthology. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember how I met you, but I remember I met you in Black Anthology, and I just remember you was always on some fuck shit in Black BA, and I was too. <laughs> BA was so fun. Oh my gosh, yeah. Every time we would be in practice, like, I would just be looking, like, I'd be confused sometimes. She'd be, be like, she'd be look like, and I'd be crying in the like, corner. Nobody else would see me but F1. Yeah. Or I'd just like go off to the corner and like do something. And then she'd be like, Madison, what are you doing? I'd be like... <laughs> I always saw her. And I'm just like, how does no one else see the fool that she is, man? <laughs> but it was my favorite. Oh, it was honestly my my favorite times in BA. Yeah. I love BA. I think I'm going to do it next year. This year was... I couldn't, but... I was going to ask you about that, like, if you were comfortable Oh, yeah. That. It's just because, um, in terms of Black Anthology, like, I know it's something where I don't just want to, like, give it, like, half-ass. Like, I really want to, like, always give it my full, or my all, my effort. And so I wasn't on exec this year, but I really wanted to be a dancer still. I just really didn't have the time. And I feel like every day I was like, yeah, Julie, like, I'll have time maybe. Because, like, Julie's one of my really close friends here, like me and her have been like through BA and everything and she's just like an amazing person and an amazing choreographer so I didn't want to like do her dirty and like not give it enough energy if I do because I just didn't have time this semester like between Rise and me being on ABS and me doing my research I just was like nah and then me working like two jobs nah I was like no not gonna have time for this but I did tell her next semester or next year I'll definitely be back doing some sort of thing for BA. Can I twerk a question? Yeah, sure. Okay. <coughs> so, like, well, actually, this is for both of you. Mm-hmm. So, Effa, you've been in BA for a while. Mm-hmm. What's some advice you would give Sparkle for BA? Because it's her first year. Oh, my God. Are you dancing? No, I'm Your costumes act- and props. Oh, yes. Why yeah. did I forget that? <laughs> oh, my God. I totally knew that. Stop, stop, stop. stop. I knew that. I knew that. Oh, my God. Okay, so... In terms of advice for BA, like, girl, as an exec member, like, hold on, because, like, it gets really stressful around, like, January. January is hell, honestly, for BA, because between um, just everyone getting back and low-key, you're just like, oh, my God, all my actors forgot all of their lines, and we have two weeks until the show. Uh, like, there's a lot of stress stuff, especially with costumes and props, just mm-hmm. because that's when you're getting it all together. I would say just, like find someone on exec or find someone in the production where you could really just like come to about these things because do not keep it balled up if you're frustrated it's really not um it's not gonna help you if you just keep it bottled up and you're just frustrated about it um so yeah find someone on exec or in ba that you can really talk to about things when you're feeling stressed about it whether that's sophia whether that's um who else is in it cameron whoever that may be like really really um talk to them about it because it needs to be said because that's why a lot of things last semester or last year even though it was a pretty successful team um there was a few problems just because um just people not expressing like how they felt when they felt it yeah and then keeping things bottled up but like as an exec we were able to work it out and everything which was fine we had a great exec but yeah man it gets stressful in january i'm dead <laughs> 
I was. I think Brina was telling me that too. Someone else who was NBA last year told me that like January gets really crazy. And January is terrible. I hate January. I hate January. Oh my god, it's terrible. But it's so good. Like I like BA is one of those things that I was felt so fulfilled by. Like it's such a great feeling seeing your work come to fruition. Like it's the best thing. Like even though I didn't dance like that, I was in like one dance last year. Like I felt just as much in it as everyone, and I felt so happy watching from the sidelines. Like the Black Panther piece, I really cried. I watched all and I said, "Wait, those are my." <laughs> It was so good. But yeah, it's a good it's a good experience. It's just stressful. Nice. I almost fell off the stage in Black Panther. Ooh. I'm not gonna lie. I, it was one of them rolls. It almost hey. took me out. I'm gonna tell you those skirts I almost slipped. <laughs> they were long and my 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 legs are not. So Wait, what's the deal against asymmetrical skirts? <laughs> you why they don't want them or something like that? I was gonna put on them for a costume, they're like, No. Uh yeah, Julia mm. said if I could try to get anything but, that'd be perfect. Oh, it's, it's kind of like cliche when it comes to dance. May, yeah, I would say that. And maybe, like, movement-wise, because I know, especially Dean Jalo, she loves when things move. She loves if a costume flows behind you. And I feel like asymmetry, depending on how it's cut, mm-hmm. can, like, limit that. But it might be those things, more of a movement thing. Okay. But, yeah. Depends on, like, the concept. Not that I'm going to ask you what BA is about, but, you know. <laughs> no, don't kill me. <laughs> right, right. No. I don't know. I'm excited for BA. I was just, I was actually thinking about how I'll never actually see the play. I'll be backstage with costumes and stuff, but do they, like, record it? Or something oh, yeah. They record it. And you have, um, let me think. Who was costumes last year? Tiffany. Yeah. You'll definitely have time to watch it, like, from the side. Okay. Because, like, yes, um... I think it's about, like, placing your stuff where they need to be, like, and if they're, like, laid out ready for each scene or whatever, there needs to be, a like, a mm-hmm. a costume change, you can definitely find those pockets of time to, like, watch from the sidelines or from the wings, um, so, yeah, don't rely on the video, because the video is low-key ass sometimes, like, really bad, but, yeah. Oh, how'd you get into dance, like... Did you do it as a kid or mm. high school? Yeah, I've been doing dance since I was three, low-key. Like, I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, I've done, uh, I've done like, ballet, jazz, tap, musical theater, um, hip-hop, all of them, really. Mm. Modern, all of that stuff, lyrical, whatever. Um, so I've done that since I was three, and I changed. Like, I, had, I was at two main studios in my life. Um, so yeah, and then I came to school and I was like, I still want to be involved with dance here, so I don't know how to do that, and I don't really want to be in the dance program, like, as a major or anything, um, and so I found Black Anthology and, like, trying out and working with the choreographer at the time, her name is Emily, um, she's amazing, and she just reaffirmed my, like, whole love for dancing, and Black Anthology has been really, like, super different from my dance experience just because, um, I've had a lot of issues with dance in the past, just being like the only black person in that whole space and the dance is being so European and mm-hmm. so like, I don't know what it is with dancers, but they just have, they're stuck on like 1850 to like eight nineteen ten, <laughs> and they're just like, we want to make everything so Victorian and so like balletic. And I'm just like, bro, I hate ballet, how y'all are doing it. Like, it sucks, it's boring, like, I'm tired. But coming to BA, like, and having the dances 
somehow come back to it being about like the black experience and the black struggle and the music being by black artists like ooh, it's good I love black anthology because it's just expressing yourself in a different way and like I think I definitely grew a lot as a dancer like I think I never really put my full um my full self into it and I never really expressed how I expressed when I was dancing for BA so yeah BA is cool and dancing is cool. I want to keep dancing, so, yeah. Hi. <laughs> oh, I was going yeah. mm -hmm. like, I think I mentioned this in, like, season one of Spimo, how I felt the same way about dance for a while, because mm -hmm. it's always, like, white bodies. And yes. And there's a lot of body shaming in dance. It's, oh my god, that's, that's literally one of the main things that, like, I think had to do with, like, my uh lack of self-confidence and like my deteriorating self-confidence when I was younger just because like I like was I was never a very small kid like I always was like I was always like really muscular and so I was like like I never liked being in dance when there was like really like tiny ass like white girls I never liked um like, I played soccer when I was younger and everyone was like just super skinny and super like white <laughs> and then just in terms of like dance culture, like tights and point shoes and ballet shoes and things, they were always very like weird on my skin just because like I was darker skin and like it's made for like white skin, like the pink and everything. Like I never knew until I was a senior in high school that like the ballet shoes and like the tights are supposed to blend in with your skin color. And like I would never know because I always had like white ass like ballet shoes and everything and point shoes. Um, but like, yeah, it was really cool. Um, being in dance and comparing stuff in Delaware to stuff in St. Louis and just dance overall. And I think um, the one thing I do say that I liked, I had a really tough time in dance like from like th three years old, three or four, five years old to about like fifth grade, sixth grade. And then, cause I just, I just didn't like my dance company. Like they were so focused on pumping out professional dancers that they just, were just really bad about the way they did it. Like they would totally encourage girls to like burge and or not burge, but like binge and purge and like things like that, so that they would fit a certain costume. Like they did not care about my hair and that it didn't do what other girls did. So they were just like, do whatever the fuck you need to do to make it look like it just wasn't a welcoming environment. So when I changed studios, it was way more family friendly. There was way more dancers of like all sizes and all. Um, like just everyone, it was way more diverse. Um, and then that was a dance studio that I really learned who Alvin Ailey was and what Revelations was. And since then, that's like that's been like my favorite, um, my favorite like dance performance and my favorite thing is Revelations, Alvin Ailey, and just everything that he does is just cool. It's just great. So yeah, that's kind of been my experience with dance, but. I'm gotten better at it, and I'm thankful for Black Anthology for that, for sure. So, uh, usually we ask our guests, as like a closing or opening, what is your understanding of what it means to be a human? Hmm. Hmm. That's a hard question. My understanding of what it means to be human um, is to like live life way more complicated than it needs to be. Um, you know, I feel like for some reason, um, 
like us being even though like people can debate that like humans being part of the animal kingdom i feel like a lot of animals all animals in the animal kingdom really like just exist and exist how they want to exist but humans because there's i don't know what it is that makes us different is it like our brains how we're wired i'm not a scientist or whatever mm -hmm. but humans because of how they're made and how we're wired as humans like I feel like we have to live life way more complicated than it needs to be and like that's just a societal thing as much as I don't know maybe a biological thing but I just feel like you're at your most free and your most you when you're young and you haven't been influenced by society and low-key your parents and low-key a lot of people around you and I just feel like you spend so much time learning things that you have to learn to unlearn mm -hmm. and it's just like if we could just get past the whole learning we don't need to and just get past to existing as we sh as we feel comfortable existing I don't know that could be really like hippie and real meta but like I just think that we we waste a lot of time as humans like forgetting that we're wired to be like low-key animals and low-key do things that resemble other animals in the animal kingdom but we learn things to unlearn things when we're older and i feel like we could do without that i don't know that's my take me oh, for the scientist but i'm not involved in any science at all but yeah what do you think it means for who uh, so I'm thinking at the end of the season I'll tell the people mm. what I think it means. Ooh, the suspense. Stay tuned, yeah. right? Because <laughs> like I've heard so many different like definitions. Like we had Dr. McCute on, he completely like threw away the word and went mm. a different route. Mm. So like I like hearing everyone else's answer. First. Uh, yeah. He, he's interesting. I have yet to take a class with him, but his the thing that he's teaching is really similar to my research. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Stemma, the Homo Sapien podcast, is brought to you by Goshigabi, available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. Church, 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 church,